What's up, everyone? JP here, and I'm here with Josh, and we have George Carroll. And for those who don't know George, he's been behind the scenes in most of the companies that you've watched in some type, in some fashion. Uh, I'm everywhere in New England, Ring of Honor, New Japan. He's just been everywhere, and he's one of my good friends, and he's one of the best minds in the business. Uh, George, how are you tonight? I'm good. Thank you for the compliment. I don't know about uh, one of the best minds, but uh, without a I doubt, mean, the, the, the size of my head and your head, uh, right. you know, I think people would think we got big minds, but yeah. But thank you for the compliment. Oh, George. But, I mean, you've, you've discovered a lot. Of, not discovered. I hate saying someone discovered a lot of people. But you kind of were in the infancy of a lot of guys who are names today. Um, okay. I mean, I, I don't know about infant, maybe infancy, but, uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish what you're going to say and cut like, you off and finish it. No, you're good. You're good. You have, I mean, you had something, you saw things in people that at the times, I don't think other people saw and the, those same guys, I think we would credit you for some of that, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's, I can see what you're saying. I know what you're talking about, guys like, you know, John Walters. Like, you know, John yeah. Walters is one of the first guys that people thought, oh, he's just this. He's just a good hand. Uh, and, and, you know, from the beginning, I always hated guys being labeled. Like, I knew John, I know John outside of wrestling and John Walters. I know his work ethic. I know when he's challenged. And it's there's other guys like Eddie, you know, shitty, yeah. whatever we call him, uh, you know, so on and so on, where it's just people thought they were just one thing. And it wasn't anything in particular that I did. And sure, they can give me credit all they want. But I, I think it's more of helping them believe in themselves and just find that comfort zone to where they can be comfortable. They know that they got the in-ring part, but then the character part and the selling and all the other little things that make them well-rounded. I think, um, you know, I, 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 I guess I do a good job with helping guys just believe in themselves pretty much. Yeah. That's, I mean, as a friend, I can say that, you know, I didn't have any confidence when I started going around shows and being around you guys definitely helped me with that. So well, I, hey, listen, that, that, that's a huge compliment, you know. That's a, yes. It's a scary thing. This is a scary business. This uh, I tell guys all the time, this business is designed to make you break. It's designed to get the people who shouldn't be here out yeah. or, you know, not necessarily eliminate them, but push them out to the outer, you know, fringes so that they're not a threat to other people. And, you know, I, I've always been somebody and, I think I've surrounded myself with people who want it that way, who want to be successful. Yeah. And when you start seeing, uh, you know, people want it the same way you do, it's uh, it's pretty impressive. And, that, and that's where you actually fall in love with wrestling. And that's the, like, you took, uh, you were criticized at a few points when you were on, when you were around New England for, well, he only books his friends. Well, no, like, if you look, success, like, success goes around other successful people. And that's well, kind of what happened with it. And you became close with guys like John Walters and Eddie and, you know, those guys. So you well, both your friends, but your friends were the best in the world. Well, hold on. that That's not even – that's not even uh, – I mean, that's an unfair rap. I think bookers will always get that. I, and we'll get to that. Like, if you want – I know you said you wanted to go episodically a little bit. 
Yeah. But I will, I will definitely, you can't, uh, it's not about booking your friends anywhere. You can look at anybody and go, oh, you know, this company only loves that guy. That's why he's the champion there. You don't know the everyday functions. You don't know right. what guy, why that guy's in that position or what other tools he has. You know, sure, sometimes it can, you know, it, it can totally be nepotism and it's friends or family or whatever. But that's not always the case. And criticism, I mean, opinions, uh, you know, are like assholes. We all have one. So <laughs> yeah. I, I don't. I don't well, really get a, f and you know my friends, dude. You know yeah. for a fact that if I can take a verbal beating from those guys, like the opinions <laughs> of other people don't matter. You forgot, yeah, the, no, you and forgot I, the rest of that statement, though. Everybody's got one, well, and they're usually full of shit. Yeah, that's 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 but, very much true. It's, and I I wasn't in any way saying that about you. My point oh, no. was like you lived, you went through all that and said, "Yeah, watch me." I well, and, and that that's the thing. I mean. It took me a long time to get to where I am and to where I'm headed. Uh, and you don't get anywhere by quitting. Right. And there are times where, you know, I definitely wanted to walk away. It would have been better for me, for my family, for everybody if I just, my sanity, my health, if I just walked away. But I'm glad I didn't because I look at what I'm doing now and who I'm surrounded by on a daily basis now. And I couldn't ask for a better life, you know. Yeah, and now you didn't just start off in the office. Like what I don't think a lot of people know, and I think over the past couple of years through ROH and New Japan and those companies, I think people got to know you, but I don't think people realized you actually trained at one point under Killer Kowalski and Perry Satin, right? Uh, well, so I I wasn't trained under Killer. I went to Killer Kowalski school to, you know, to check out and, and check it out and see if okay, you know, yes, this is something I wanted to do. I'm 145 pound 17 year old kid and i'm looking at you know these monsters at that time they were monsters perry Saturn and john cronus and mike hollow and duke stalton all these guys who are like 220 230 and i'm not talking like they were mature guys you know what i mean i'm a still a teenage kid yeah. trying to find my way and uh i was sat with walter you know and, and you know he gave me a pep talk and you were gonna call you crippler carol and in my head, I'm like, man, I couldn't cripple someone if I was driving a car right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then Perry pulled Perry Saturn pulled me into a side. Roman's like, hey, you know, I can train you for less money than Walter's going to want from you, and uh, but I'm going to do it at Champs Arena, which I had already been to Champs Arena and saw the first ECW show in New England there, which was really cool. So uh, I would drive an hour with my ex brother-in-law for. God, uh, it'd be like an hour drive from where we were uh, three times a week. And, you know, Perry would just kick, kick the hell out of me, not in a bad way, but like, you know, he instilled in me a lot of stuff. And I actually just got to meet him, you know, again, you know, yeah. after everything he's been through, I got to meet him you know, a couple months ago and just told him thank you, you know, because he trained somebody. You know, I, I know he's trained other people at the house of hardcore. But for me personally, to be able to say to him, hey, thank you for letting me in and teaching me these things. And I yeah. told him specific stuff he taught me. Um, but, yeah, I did. I, you know, I trained Perry trained, and trained for almost a year before I started working. And, again, it was very tough for me to put on weight. Um, I became suicidal youth with a mask on. And, you know, I, I, I worked for... 
six years, I think, you know, off and on, like every, every weekend throughout New England, Rhode Island, yeah, Connecticut, you know, Massachusetts. So, yeah. Josh is out in Montana, and they have one oh. wrestling. They have one company that runs what twice a year, Josh. Why do you all? Why why do you feel like this is necessary every time we because interview somebody? It's just a completely different environment. I know it it's is a different world. It, it's here's, nuts. Here's how I try to explain it in, in um, wisdom passed down from Wheeler Yuta, real quick, as well as probably Retro AG, real quick. The only way I can see, really, since I've been a, a kid is through the lens of a television to witness professional wrestling. It's very, very rare, and I've probably been to maybe in my entire lifetime, plus last month's um, live shows I can count on both hands. Wow. Well, I'm pretty sure Perry Saturn lives in Montana. Uh, I think oh, that's that. where it was. Yeah, that, that's funny that you bring it up. But, yeah, I don't think I don't imagine there to be much in Montana except for mountains and yeah. open land. Now we we tell everybody it's the worst possible place you could ever come. Everybody should stay away. <laughs> well, what do you have in Montana? What's in Montana? If 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 I said to you, "Hey, I'm coming there," what do I? What should I go see? What's like your hot spot? It depends on what you're into, my friend. All right, tell me what I'm into, <laughs> and then and then, what's, and then, what's like and the then give me the hot spot. <laughs> what's the one thing that Montana is known for? Uh, absolutely nothing. Football, <laughs> football, uh, football. You don't even have a real team. What are you well, going to tell me? College football? No, the, the, probably the greatest and finest micro brews in the world. I, I can guess, honestly yeah, say so that. You, you pretty much have nothing, right? Yeah, yeah I, appreciate, we got I appreciate the beer. I mean, that's it. I mean, Dude, I got, that's what we got. We got, and cost of living is low, man. And I got access to a lot of stuff up here. I could probably run around my block naked right now for 10 minutes and nobody would call the police. I don't know if that's anything I'd brag about, though. (laughs) It's possible. I'm just saying it's possible. I I mean, no offense. I live in Dorchester. I could probably do the same thing and not get arrested. So that's not really that impressive. Right. They have Canada. Hey, we we have Flip Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, but now we claim him. He claims us more than he claims in Montana, so you can't even claim that. You can keep trying, though. I'm sure you'll find something. I'll Google it tomorrow. Uh, this is why I love George. It's a short list. It's a short list. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you didn't do him any favors by telling me that microbreweries is the reason I should go there when we got Sam Adams here and everybody else, you know, pitching their alcoholic wares here. Yeah, but the, so, we, I'm not impressed. It's the natural grain out here. It's the natural water. It's not. Yeah, but George shit also. What are you guys having Boston out there? Love that dirty water. Yeah, come on. Well, how about what songs do you have? Like, what's the what's the you know like we got dirty water. We got shipping off to Boston. What does Montana got? Oh uh, fuck, I don't know. Achy breaky heart. I don't know. No, you can't even claim that because that dude's from like you like not even oh, out, he's not even out there. He's from the south, like Hannah, Tennessee or something, right? It's Hannah Montana's his, his dad. His daughter was named Hannah Montana. Montana. <laughs> no man, you're no. gonna make me Google it. I'm sorry, go ahead, JP. No, you it's... worked so, so you wrestled for six years. I'm gonna try to bring us back. You tried here. you tried to like brag on your friend being from Montana and it just blew up in his face. I don't brag I'm with, about I'm it. I'm with Josh. I'm with Josh. Why do you do that to him, JP? You just <laughs> knew that I would. JP <laughs> built that snowball, and I just started throwing him. Yeah. It's, well, I it's just an episode it's from it, because it, no, it's a scene from Dumb and Dumber. It's just I'm two feet away, and I get a snowball in the face. 
because in New England, like, and I, I say this all the time, like, I could go to a show Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, sometimes Thursdays, sometimes Wednesdays. Oh, actually, all the time Thursdays now, sometimes Wednesdays. On any weekend. And it, it's, like, crazy that, you know, the amount of shows we get in a weekend, they get in a year. This is why right. people stop listening to the show, because they are sick of hearing how many times you can go to a show, and I can't. <laughs> Or they're just sick of you trying to put over Montana as a place to be, maybe. I don't ever want anybody to come here, ever. JP, JP, stop doing that. The guy wants to obviously run around a block ten times naked and yeah, blown that, up his spot. But, now, so you, so you wrestled for about six years, and you did, yeah. um, you, you had a couple of different gimmicks, a couple under masks, I know, um, and a few others. Where did you go from there? At what point, because... I think your biggest talent in wrestling was your booking, and yeah. you can correct me if I'm wrong. No, but, no, you're dead on. I um, was an awful, I was an awful wrestler. Like if I watch my, I can't watch my stuff now. I have DVDs of it, and I just can't watch it. I don't, I have never shown it to my kids because uh, I just watched and go, what was I thinking? It was like I just was horrible. So, um, you know, I had a decent run towards the end. I started putting the pieces together because I started working guys that were way better than me. And yep. I was actually picking it up when I was in Primal Conflict. I got to work a few different guys. Um, and then 2002, I hurt my back uh, at work. And I was going to be out a while. I herniated my L3, L4, and L5. Uh, L3, L4, and S1 disc in my lower back. And I couldn't wrestle anymore So uh, at that time. There was a promotion that I was working for, you know, New England Wrestling Alliance, which a lot of the guys that you would yeah. know, like Matt, Kyle, uh, they I, all came out of that. Like we all like sort of grew there. Rock Dallas, we were a band of misfits. Primal Conflict grew out of that. And, you know, uh, Rock was trying to ex- like get out of Rhode Island because at that time something happened. Um one, and some company, something happened in Rhode Island. It might have been the Eric Kulas stuff, uh, or okay. it might have been the kid who passed away in Connecticut. But Rhode Island yeah. really cracked down on wrestling, and we had to get out of there. So um, we started running in the South Quincy Social Club, and I had always been like, you know, I'd always booked my wrestling figures and my G- I had taken GI Joes apart. I would take them apart and customize them as wrestlers. And I had like full booking sheets and I like I was really hip to that stuff at a young age because I would play a lot by myself. I could take wrestling magazines and I would go into boxes of them and go into a closet and just sit in the closet and just read them front to back, study them. It was like really I know it sounds really weird, but uh, it really wasn't. I mean, I did normal kid stuff, too. I played sports and I was outside. But when it came to wrestling, I was hyper focused. So. My back went out. I was like, "What am I gonna do?" Like, I've I'm already addicted to this. I can't just yeah. kick this. There's no rehab for wrestling. There's no, oh, we're gonna send you to detox and get this out of your system. Like, once you're in it, you're just like addicted to it. It's so yeah. hard to explain. So, I started booking. I started booking shows in Quincy. You know, it was me and of you know Chris Sullivan and my ex-brother-in-law Kevin. We started. You know, we got the ring, and you know, I worked out a deal with chaotic wrestling you know with the owner to use their students who were not their top guys you know i wasn't i would occasionally use john walters but 
it was more about using guys like Muddy Minnie and Brian Malonis before he started, and you know, before he became Brian Malonis, and Handsome Johnny, who's now Hans, um, Hanson and yeah, War Machine, um, War Raiders. So yeah, it was more about, and that's where I think I fell in love with developing younger guys because I had these crop of guys that were. I mean, chaotic at that point. No offense to anybody else who's listening, but you know, they they were pretty much the cream of the crop in this area. You know, there were other guys, the Walter guys, that were cream of the crop, but if they weren't in chaotic, I didn't really have access to them. Or I did, and I would occasionally bring them in. And um, you know, that's where I got to start seeing working with these younger guys, and we were mixing talent like it was a really weird eclectic talent pool. And that's uh, where I fell in love with that. I fell in love with being creative all the time. Well, here's the thing here is there's like different, and I was thinking, I, when I knew I was going to be talking to you, I put some thought into this. And there's different types of promoters, and it depends on who the booker is. And there's promoters like Chaotic, where they kind of grow their own. Most of their guys, not all of them now, but most of their guys are homegrown through, you know, their Furies kids, for the most part, not yeah. all. There's guys like um, I'll put any NCW out. I love I like NCW. They do a good show, but it seems like anyone that shows up with a gear bag can get on, and that's fine too. Right. There's people for that, but then there's guys, and this is where you came in. That you kind of took a little bit of everybody as long as they had talent. You didn't book anybody, and I've I've seen you in positions where you had to book certain people that you know. You didn't think they should be on every show. Maybe they had a place here and there, but right, you know. And I saw you say, "Listen, there's, you know, you found ways to do it, but there wasn't always places for some of them." Yeah. So let me let me pull it back and, for a second. So, um, so for me personally, I can't speak for everybody. The way I've studied it, and the way I've broken down, and the people I respect who have, in a way, you know, whether it's me reading, personal interactions, uh, guidance, like. There's a difference between being a promoter. So Jamie Jamikowski was the owner of Chaotic. He was part-time booker, uh, but he wasn't—he wasn't like a booker in the sense like I was. Like you know, like I. Uh, there's a lot of guys who are great matchmakers. You can give anybody, you know, a roster of the best talent and just say, "Hey guys, you got 10 minutes. Go out there and you know tear it down." But when you're in the position that, like, we were in, we weren't able to pay big money, so it's not like we were bringing in big names or anything like that. You had to literally build buzz. I mean, you're talking about the infancy of the Internet here, where yeah. we were, you know, message boards. You couldn't go anywhere on a message board without reading how your promotion was awful. You know, George only books this. And, and yeah. you know, and again, I, I wouldn't, I wasn't necessarily getting offended because I'm not afraid to, you know, just confront people and say, hey, it sucks. It sucks. Trust me. I know when something sucks, but I didn't want, everybody was doing that. Uh, everybody was doing the uh, clickish mentality where it was chaotic guys only going to work chaotic guys. And the, you know, uh, for yeah. me in NEWA, it wasn't about just using chaotic guys. I liked the challenge of taking top rope guys and putting them with chaotic guys. And seeing who's going to sink or swim are the chaotic guys that great are they good enough to make the top rope guys look better are the top rope guys just under you know not talked about as much as the chaotic guys and really are that good and and when you get to see you know like young guys like you know at that point like the logans 
the Logans really came out of like backyard wrestling when um, when when I started using them. And even when I used them in the NDWA, Matt and Brian and even Nick, they were just using their backyard gimmick. And and they I, I brought them in and they looked good. And you can tell I could tell they wanted it. And I'll go back to that. Like I said earlier, when guys want it, you just know it. And those guys started pressing and. They were working, you know, with the score and, you know, all those guys. And then I started mixing them in and they ended up going to the chaotic school. And then before you know it, they're chaotic tag team champions and stuff like that. So yeah. there's, that's like a big victory, not just for me, because it's not about me. It's more, hey, somebody else saw what I saw. And I think that's why I came along at that point, I guess. Like fate would have it. These misfits all, you know, came together and. You know, at that point for NDWA, later on NECW, when we get to that, man, do I got stories about that? But <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it was, I, I, I appreciate you saying that and somebody seeing that now because I look at those tapes sometimes and I'm like, wow, you know, we were doing like cool stuff. Jose Perez and Brian Black and Vince Vicalo and, you know, somebody else that you couldn't go to a chaotic show and see. And and I think that's why we did pretty good for a 130-seat room in Quincy, you know, that eventually led to us going to the Armory, you know, ECW. Yeah, yeah, and that was, you're selling, you're selling that out at 300, at, you know, and it's payday. Yeah, we were doing now, really good. I got to see, I, I I got to see you do the sweat boy thing. I think you had already had your back injury, so you were doing like run-ins and um, you with Brian Cairo. Yep. But I got so, to see you wrestle one match. Did you? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me just explain sweat boy, so people are like, "What is that? What does that mean?" So, um, I had. You know, NEWA had closed. Rock Delisandro just wasn't coming through with the money. You know, typical indie story at that point like everything was going good but then the money just dried up and you know the promoter disappears and you know i'm left holding the bag so uh, that went away so i reached out to matt and kyle because they had us matt west and kyle uh white matt and kyle storm they were running the pwf northeast school in rhode island and i was again being in tune with the uh, message board and stuff, people were raving about these shows that they were doing in this little school, this very tiny school they had. And you, I went down there a couple times, and I forget what, one time I pointed out that Brian Cairo sweats profusely. He was a manager. And I would goof, you know me, I'm going to goof yeah. on that. Like, dude, why are you sweating like that? Like, you're not doing anything. Like, why are you sweating? And we came up with the idea of Sweat Boy. Like, I'm going to get, you know, he was just going to, it was like an old, you know, WWF angle where, you know, like Dusty pulled, uh, Dusty Rhodes pulled Sapphire out of the crowd. It was just something to make the fans react. And he would start sweating and I would wipe his brow and it eventually built up, built sympathy on me where I was like, you know, I I don't want to do this. I didn't want, you know, this wasn't the intention. I don't know why I'm here. I became a sympathetic guy, and it built to me finally snapping and whipping yeah. him with the belt. So, yeah. Right. So, um, so let's fast forward. Uh, you're skipping over stuff. Uh, so the run for NECW starts. I'm booking there. New England Championship oh. Wrestling. Sheldon Mac Kyle, 
the you match you're actually... talking about that is that one or are you talking about the tag match with me and charisma in no no the the i was talking about the battle royal but at some point i want to okay. go back too because you i know matt and kyle have like credited you for being the one that was sort of responsible for facilitating that merger so uh yeah so let's stay there before you jump to that yeah. match because that matches i forgot funny. about that until we start <laughs> talking right now so um matt and kyle i you know i start working with them i was actually working for them i was a character you know i was on their shows yeah. it was really cool that venue that little school they had was awesome and then Rhode Island really cracked down on them, and they had to get out of there. So we moved to PWF North. I said, hey, guys, there's a building in Quincy. Why don't we start running there? Try it out for a couple months. So we ran a couple times there, really successful for them. Um, they were dr- starting to draw consistently. And the thing with PWF Northeast at that time is they were always getting that internet buzz. So you always had that fan base that was small at that time but they were loyal and they were dedicated and you know we were drawing very well very well and then um something happened with sheldon goldberg and bob evans uh you know where uh bob evans was booking new england championship wrestling and sheldon caught him doing something um not sure the specifics there but anyway they broke apart sheldon had lost his dad around the same time um, Bob Evans had started EPW, uh, Eastern Pro Wrestling. And I was like, man, Sheldon had just gotten like the cover of the Herald or there was something weird that he had just gotten. And they were going, I mean, Sheldon has always been known for being on, you know, WEEI and the Hot yeah. Dog Safari and Good Times and all this other stuff. And he was good at getting buzz outside of the Internet. And I just, one day, I, you know, I reached out to Sheldon. I had never met him before or anything. I just said, hey, Sheldon, I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Uh, you know, I know you got a lot of stuff going on, but when things settled down, I would love to talk. You know, I work for PWF Northeast, and I think there could be something there. So I started, so Sheldon and I just started building a relationship. I went back to Matt and Kyle, said, hey, I got this idea. Like, Sheldon's really good at getting media, real media. I'm talking like Boston Herald, television, radio. You guys don't have that. So what if we all went into bed? What if we said, hey, PWF Northeast is good at this, and New England Wrestling is a higher level. They're they're better known um, to a larger you know, audience than we are. What if we merged and, you know, see how things went? And that was, uh, I forget, man, maybe 2006, I want to say. Yeah, that was, because that was, it was, Sheldon was actually our first guest. And it was literally the week that him and Bob had split. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so So. 2006, um, they ended up talking. I want to say it was Novemberish, maybe 2006 November, and then we started the first like Triple W shows, and did the announcement February uh, or something like that. I forget the exact yeah. timeline because it's so long ago. But yeah, like it was just an idea I had, and I've always been, you know been credited as somebody who's just got like wacky ideas. Like, hey, what about this? And then somebody throws it back, and they're like, yeah, but what about this? And then. 
that's how I feel a great creative process works. And Matt, Kyle, Sheldon, and I, dude, I wasn't involved in any of the like personal contracts and Roy and all these other people, none of that money. It was just, they're good at this. We're good at this. Sheldon has nothing right now because all the guys, you know, pretty much all his talent was like, okay, well, Sheldon's not going to run. We're going to go work for Bob. We had a full roster attempt. And then, right. you know, when the merger started, obviously we inherited a lot of the, NACW town. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, uh, if I get credit for that, great. Again, it was just an idea. I, did, I didn't do any of the dirty work, didn't, you know, involved in any of the talks. They would just come to me and say, hey, we're all set. This is when we're going to run. Okay, George, go to work. That's it. But the, I mean, you started the talks. Like, that's. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that's, that was huge because that, like, really, it did shake up New England. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, at that point, Top Rope was just Top Rope. Uh, you know, they were just running, you know, in Fall River and yeah, New Bedford, and Chaotic never went on. Well, they would go out to yeah. Ludlow or, you know, places like that. Yeah. So here we are. We're not in Boston, but we're as close to Boston as anybody could be between. Quincy and Somerville. I mean, we even right. did a show in Dorchester once. Yeah. So no, we we was servicing an area that you know was just, you know, untouched. And that was it was cool and every how it all worked, you know, for a bit, and it did. And after that, they did the Hot Dog Safari, and I I knew before you did the finish this match. Because yeah, well, Matt, everybody, apparently everybody knew before I did. The second you went in the ring, Matt had said, George is winning this and has no idea, so watch the finish. And it was... Oh, dude. Okay, so let me let me just rewind back a little bit. So at this point, I was the booker. Like, Matt, the owner, and I would run everything by Matt, but I would, Matt would maybe give me an idea that he wants something he wanted to do, but Matt was, like, wrestling. He Keep yeah. in mind, like, I don't think people talk enough about it. Uh, how tough Matt had it. Matt had been working at, you know, at homes, special needs yeah. people. Like, he had a very tough schedule, uh, and he just didn't have the time. And where I was like, hey, how about if I just put the cards together and you let me... And by this, you know, we, we're cooking with oil, you know, uh, and yeah. we'll come back to this. But to, specifically on this match, I was the booker, but I was like, hey, it's a battle royal. I'm going to have fun. Jose wants to chop me. That's good. You know, Eddie Edwards is in there. I'm sure he's going to want to throw a chop. Like, that was the thing. You know, Battle Royals were all chops. So we went to the yeah. Battle Royal, and uh, I had it so that Frankie Arion was going over. The last two, because we were building up to birthday bash, is supposed to be Frankie Arion. This is June. Frankie Arion and um, TJ Richter, they were battling for a one. I think Frank was like NCW TV champion or... Something like that. TJ was the PWF Northeast television champion or junior champion. We were going to merge the belts. So my idea was, okay, those two were the last two in. And I noticed people started getting out of the ring. And then Frankie and Frankie eliminates um, Frankie eliminates TJ or Frankie and TJ are on the ropes. I don't remember the exact layout, but. I remember going over to touch them and they, and both, they both fell over the top rope. Yep. And I went like literally went 
oh my god what <laughs> happened like oh dude, i just blew the battle royal like this big royal rumble that had been going on for like you know 40 minutes i'm the booker and i just blew it myself like what the hell is going on here and oh this wasn't god. in like, front of a small crowd this was in no, front no, of no, probably no. Was, a thousand plus dude so many people there were people inside the building watching yeah. there were you know, this is a hot dog safari, which is like a big thing in Boston. There's just thousands of people going there. The Eddie Anderman, you know, has raised tons and tons of money for people with cancer, you know, children with cancer. And so there's tons of people. We were one of the main attractions there. So I wish I could find the tape, and I'm sure Matt has it somewhere. I know I've seen it a couple times, but I remember um, I remember Frankie Arion falling out of the ring, and I went, oh, you could see me put my hands on yeah. my head going, oh, what happened? And then I just turned around and I had to like, I caught myself. I brought myself back in the moment. I was like, yeah, I just won. God damn, what did I do? I don't know what I did. But And then I turned back around. And at that point, uh, Kyle Storm and Ebony Blade were in the yeah. ring. And uh, they're like, all right, you know, the fun's over. They were yeah. laughing with me. They give me a double hip toss. And, you know, it's an honor for me to take the sugar hold from, you know, yeah. uh, Ebony Blade. I hope he hears it. But, yeah, he gave me the sugar hold. And, you know, man, I was so frazzled when I went. I was like, I, I had no idea what was going on. I was just mind blown. But uh, that's a pretty cool memory that you uh, yeah, brought up. Well, because it was like, I just remember that being when that was going to be something special the second you hit that ring. And oh, just, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, it was even cooler. My mom was there that day my mom is you know had never really seen me wrestle anywhere and that's like my mom got me this her first match seeing me wrestle live she really? actually got to see yeah and i don't think matt knew that or anybody knew that i mean matt you know you know my mom matt knew my mom yeah. she would always show up and bring me food yeah. yes. but uh i was a booker then she had never seen me really wrestle you know that's um, surprising to me because your mo his mother josh literally showed up at every show wouldn't let me let her in because i was always at the door she wouldn't let me let her in she would always buy a ticket, and she always had food, and I always used to joke with her, where's mine? <laughs> well, tell George what you want next time, but I'm not going to George what I want. Like, mother is the nicest person. Yeah, Josh, she would bring us this thing called fast food. I'm pretty sure you guys don't have it out there. It's, <laughs> like, you just walk up to a, a counter and be like, hey, can I get this, this, and this off this menu? And they give it to you in, like, three minutes or so. It's yeah. pretty cool invention. Yeah. We, no. But it's cool that, you know, it was... <laughs> Even as a bookie, you got that support. You know, your mother was going to see you in the ring, you know, and she still yeah. showed up. That was. Yeah, that was really cool. It was. It was, you know, my dad was never one to come. Uh, I don't think you ever met my dad, you know. No. Um, no. But yeah, uh, you know, but it was cool to have my mom come. And that was the one time I vividly remember. The only time I think she's ever seen me wrestle live. live. That was really cool. Now, there's a story. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but your parents actually met at a wrestling show. Yes. July 19th, 1975 at the Boston Garden. Um, That's my insane. mother My mother went with the woman who was eventually to be my godmother. And my godmother's husband went with my father. They were in two different sections. So yeah, the old garden used to have, you know, like uh, the, the low balconies. And my father yeah. was with his father. And who was his best friend, Carl? At um, they were in the they were on the floor, and my father, you know, pointed up to my godmother and said, you know, told him to bring her down, and they, uh, that's you know, my mother, 
tells that story everywhere. You know, we met at wrestling and I got pregnant and I would go every month with my husband and Georgie would be moving around in my stomach when she's like, he would go nuts during the, you know, during the matches. So I am myself. I guess yeah, that's, JP, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of jump in too, because you guys, yeah. are, it, it's fun, but I have, George, I have one specific question for you. And sure. it'll, it'll help clarify a lot of stuff because I mean, you've booked Ring of Honor. You've booked um, New Japan. Well, I didn't you... book Ring of Honor. I didn't book Ring of Honor. I helped with, you know, creating content and ideas. I mean, there are finishes I booked in Ring of Honor, you know, on major pay-per-views. Uh, I had a lot of input, but Delirious was always the booker. That's always – in New Japan, I didn't book there. Gato was always the booker. Could I, you know, give input to guys? Of course. Um, but I've never, I was, I just want that to be clear. I was never okay. the book of New Japan. So, cool. So that's clarified. So the difference <clears throat> between those promotions and, and other promotions is, is in uh, a Japanese environment, you don't get a one finish, one, two, three. You have to, and if I'm wrong, correct me, but this is what I'm used to seeing. And this is what I'm seeing translate into the people that you're mentioning right now, that same style is what we're seeing on TV right now. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have been a huge part of that. Um, if you had said more MMA influenced, because uh, I'm big into MMA, um, I don't know about the Japanese influence. I think that was going to happen whether it's me, whether New Japan was coming to the United States. Uh, it started with Ring of Honor. Um, I, I think it, what you're putting that in the box with is how the finishes of most major matches go. Exactly. You know, it's finishers, kick out. That's, I would never, don't put that on me, please. Don't even, don't ever say that again. Um, <laughs> You know, That's my just I my mentality. Hear. My mentality is very different. Um, you know, it's no discredit to anybody. You know, it is what it is. The business is very different than now than the business I fell in love with. I still love this business. I love professional wrestling, but that um, there are things that uh, you know I, I I I don't I can't I don't know, man. I I, I wouldn't put myself. No, I, I don't I don't know if changes. The only change that I can say I helped was helping guys who were known as just good hands become much more than that. And guys who, you know, I, I played a part, you know, because again, you can be the best coach in the world, but if you don't have the talent to go out there and play the game, um, you know, you're just a good coach. That's it. Like there, that's, that's it. Um, they still have to go out and play. So uh, if, if anything, I think I would be more known for helping guys elevate themselves. But the Japanese style, no, that's more of a, it was bound to happen. It's the evolution of wrestling. It's okay. You know, we used to, when growing up, how old are you, Josh? 43. He's my age. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're all around the same age. Josh, exactly. what, what, what era of wrestling did you grow? Like, what was, when did you fall in love with wrestling? Wow. Uh, six years old. Man, it's AWA Hulk Hogan, six years old. So, when I say to you, uh, Vern Gandhi would finish the match, how would Vern always finish the match? <laughs> Without Hulk Hogan winning? 
No, no, without, yeah, yeah, we're not talking about the, the Super Sunday. We're not talking about Super Sunday. But when Vern, Gagne, when Vern Gagne would win a match, how would he win it? He would win it with a sleeper, right? right that always, was Vern's yeah. finish. That was the big one. You, right. You, do you think, do you see anybody doing that type of sleeper today? <laughs> uh, no. Right, and that's because the business has evolved because style has changed. You could put that if you put that AWA television on now as a new product, it's it's going to get shelled just because people's expectation of what pro wrestling is has completely changed. It's a lot more athletic. I mean, the guys of today are a million times the athlete. You could take the worst yes. athlete of today. Uh, in the ring today, and they're probably still better athletically than guys were then. And that's not to discredit what those guys were. It's genetics. It is, you know, the evolution of, you know, athletics and recovery and training and all that other stuff. But that wouldn't work today. So that that business changed from the 70s to where a sleeper wouldn't work in, you know, where, say, the DDT. Jake could finish people with the DDT. We saw Jake hit the DDT on everybody, right, and that was yeah. it. And then the DDT became a cutoff. And, you know, the, the, the way things are going now is some places you're seeing, okay, they're treating the business the way it should be. And then other places give more creative freedom where the guys are allowed to do things that logically don't fit what they should be. But it's just the way the business is. It was, it's going to evolve again. Does it go back to the way it was in some sense? I think so. I think the business is going to end up going back to a more realistic style where it's going to be, you know, you're going to start realizing like, you know, guys in their seventies, you know, they were having careers 30 plus years, you know, some guys 40 years, 50 years. And now guys are, I mean, you could create a laundry list of guys that have had five years, six years, less than 10, you know? So at some point, Everything's a revolution. Everything's going to come back around. So, um, no, don't ever blame me for the, that because that was happening long before I yeah. helped anybody. I couldn't have asked for, for a, a, a more amazing answer. <laughs> it's, yeah, and see, I'm a fan of if I kick you in the head, you're not getting up. I'm not well, a that, wrestler by any means. That's what I try telling guys all the time. Um, and again, I could be wrong. It just depends on the situation. But if you went into a bar, JP, right? How tall are you? You're like six, eight. Six, yeah. Six, seven, six, eight. So six, seven, six, eight. And the smallest guy in the bar came up to you and he just, he's going to try and punch you. He's likely not to reach ahead, you know, right. let's just say, but you're not going to bump for him if he hits, you know, you know, right. you, you know what I mean? You're not going to start, you're just selling for him. You're gonna like you, you. Could it happen? Sure. Maybe he yeah. picks up a bar stool and domes you with it. Maybe he jumps up on the bar and hits a Superman punch running at you that you don't see. There has to be some logical storytelling to get to that point. It's not, oh hey, let's dip this and duck that and yeah. boom, boom, boom. And that you know that's what you know for some reason. And I think this is more to what Josh Josh's point. Because he grew up in a different era, um, it's more now about guys. The, some of the stuff guys do now looks more. I know people always use the term choreographed, but it, it's more they're 
cooperating versus two guys trying to fight and hiding the working together aspect. You know what I mean? Right. And, and you know, it is what it is. It, it just depends on what your flavor of ice cream is. You know me. And as far as me being vocal to the wrestlers, like, that's their thing. I've never been a wrestler. Right. Um, there was a show. At, there's a show at Fenway Park every year. I think you've gone a couple of times. I went last year, yeah. I went I this year. Yeah. And this year, we got two big guys in this area, Josh. Um, big Bear Machushin, Bugsy, um, whatever. Half man, half bear. All Matouche. I love bear. <laughs> I do. He uh, Now, and they had this kid reffing who he, he hangs out at um, – at the Bell Time Club, but he's not really a student. I guess he was around a while back. He refed. Now, these two guys, Josh, are both, they both outweigh me by probably 50 to 100 pounds legitimately each. What? He got smushed by the two of them and then got up. I looked at him. He, he's out in the audience watching the next match with me. He goes, what the fuck are you doing? And George, like George, you know me. Uh, yeah, I never say anything. I told him that he yeah, healed up that, quicker than the business did. <laughs> that all goes back to your training and your fundamentals. Yeah. Like you have to, um, you know, that yeah, that goes back to how you're trained, how you know, how you treat the business. It's like anything, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you're not gonna whatever your job is. You 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 know, depending on who you work for, you might have signed a non-disclosure agreement. So there are things you can't talk about your job yeah. in front of people. Yeah. And that's one of those things that they're respecting. These guys, some guys, and that's what I talked about earlier, the outer fringes, where, you know, some of these guys are really pushed to the outer, you know, fringes where you see guys and, you know, NCW is like one of those outer fringe things. They've been running a long time, but they've never been able to make a dent because it's more of a, Guys get together. They're not guys that, you know, some of them, that obviously they do mix in guys that, you know, train and, and look good. But they're mostly just guys that, you know, get together once you know, a month, once every couple months and have fun, you know, under the guise of wrestling. Yeah. It's like a wrestling party. No, we've had you for damn near an hour and a half at this point. So I, I want to touch on at least one more thing, and that's – um Sure. The New Japan with the expansion and everything coming into the U.S. Yeah, and your um, how that was, like how you reacted, like what was your so when you got that phone call? Yeah, so the phone call, so the New Japan guys, I had been around. I was there. Like I think my first, like maybe I, right after the Honor Con announcement in 2014, where ROH announced that New Japan was coming over. Um, I, that's when I started with ROH, like full time, pretty much. I started writing for the website. I was getting paid to write for the website. Uh, and then I just wasn't happy with just doing that. So then it became, okay, what else can I do? And that's when I started creating, you know, working with Delirious and offering suggestions. And, you know, I was blessed to be mentored by like Steve Carino would let me pick his brain and. I got to be around all these great guys like Kevin Steen and, um, you know, all these, it was like a family. It really was like a family, uh, Adam Cole and all these other guys. And, um, the new, when the new Japan guys came in, I was more the guy who, uh, I, my nature was 
okay, I know who these people are. It's going to be very tough for them to communicate with other people. So when I would see Chairman Shugabayashi, um, sometimes they would have family here. They would have other people traveling with them. And I would be the one to make sure that they needed, you know, that they had chairs, that they weren't just standing up against the wall. And because nobody knew who they were, but I did. So I got to, you know, I started, you know, on my own volition, making sure every time that they were coming through, um, you know, I got to, you know, made sure that they were taken care of. I would take the chance of talking to Gato and, uh, you know, and asking, you know, his opinion on stuff. And it got to the point where he would ask my opinion on stuff. And then the boys were like, hey, you know, maybe George is being wasted, you know, just writing content. And there's no there's nowhere for him to go in Ring of Honor. Let's start pitching him to Gato and, and you know, and see what happens. And, you know, uh, November of 2016, my phone rang uh, and... Um, oh, I got a text from Rocky Romero saying, hey, we need to talk. It's really important. And I was like, oh, man, it's my wife's birthday. I'm in Orlando. Rock, give me a day or so, and I'll get back to you, dude. I promise. My wife, so it was the last day we're leaving. My wife, you know, I took my wife to Disney. We did all this cool stuff. She fell asleep in the car. Mm. And I had text Rock, hey, Rock, can you call? And, dude, I'm telling you, when he told me what this, you know, what they were doing and, they asked me to be part of it. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, we need you to fly to LA next week. Are you cool with that? And I'm like, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. And like, I remember going in and sitting in the car, waking my wife up and going, you're not going to believe this. I just got offered a job with new Japan, like a real job with new Japan. And, you know, they brought a contract with them to LA and, I signed a contract, you know, the first time I didn't have a contract with ROH. I was just on a, you know, monthly payment with them. Yeah. But, uh, that's, but yeah, it's, it's insane. And now like you're still doing your stuff independently. Yeah. So and and still it's, working with them and still, but working, you now able to work with them freelance. Yeah. So, you know, they, where I'm a freelance now, so I can, I'm not necessarily, tied down to anybody right now um it's actually pretty cool in a way because i i'm still involved in a lot of places i you know still guys come to me hey what do you think about this what about this i got this idea like literally i i had to text you to ask you when you were going to call me because i was in the middle of this long text back and forth with like a high level guy who's needing feedback and i'm like ah you know okay I got to make sure I can focus because literally when I talk on the phone, I'll pace. I don't sit yeah. down. I'm not doing anything else. But yeah, um, you know, with New Japan, it was, it's great. It was great because it was history. We ran those two shows, those first two shows in Long Beach. Do it again. It was WrestleMania weekend, the Saturday before the WrestleMania in 2017, where tickets went on sale. So much work went into just making sure the building was set and getting these tickets up and so many people were involved. And um, I'll never forget, I just left Roger Strong's house. I was driving back to, I forget what I had to do that day. Uh, it was a Saturday. Um, I forget what it was, but I went to Roddy's house because Janet, my wife had left something there. We had to, she left her purse or her wallet there. 
So I had to go back and get it. And I left and I, and Roddy's like, what's wrong, dude? And I was like, oh man, tickets are about to go on sale in like five minutes, dude. And I'm like, my stomach is turning. I'm sweating. I like, I'm nervous. So we leave, we're driving, we're getting close to the highway. I had to pull in to get gas. And as I pulled in to get gas, um, my wife was uh, driving and I said, I was like, oh, wait a minute, the, uh, the you know, uh, one of the Japanese businessmen texted me. I was like, hey, there's something wrong. We can't get tickets on Ticketmaster. And I went, okay, relax, let me jump. And that was my thing. Like when they said, hey, there's something wrong, we need you to fix it, I would jump right there. It didn't matter what time of day, didn't matter because they were in Japan and I was in the US, yeah. it didn't matter. That's how it went. And uh, so I immediately called the Ticketmaster woman and she's like, uh, she goes, no, George, there's nothing wrong. Um, you guys sold out. There's like mm. maybe one or two seats left here and there, but you guys are legitimately sold out. Dude, I went back to the car. I was like, okay, thanks. Went back to the car, sat down. Dude, I was emotional. I, I'm not going to, oh, yeah. I'm not afraid to admit it. I cried. I was like, man, this is history. Like first two shows, bang, sold out. Like record, like ridiculous numbers sold out just like that and i was like yes you know it was uh it was something special that's huge that it's and to just be able to say you were able to do that and be a part be of a that, part of it right that's you know it's crazy now where do you go from here as a freelancer uh it's, so i they could call me at any time and say hey we need this cool anybody can call me you know my question too is other than other than the obvious and, you know, the guarantee pay or whatever, what's the difference on working for a company like Ring of Honor where you were monthly or working for New Japan compared to working and booking on the independent scene? Like, what's uh, the, so there's, the politics? So for, for me, I mean, I'll still help out, uh, you know, local promotions in New England. Uh, I, could, I don't know if I could ever go back to booking – on that level because i've done it you know what i mean it's what unless there's a challenge unless there's something like somebody's gonna be like hey this is what we're doing this is you know because like i said uh, jamie and i did the dance when you know chaotic was thinking about expanding i was like jamie tv 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 and he'll tell you tv george would always say like that's the next step i just now, you know, I love the indies. I love that I can, and I hate that term indie. I don't know why they use it. You know, what are you really independent of? If I was opening up a corner oh. store, I, w- I wouldn't open up, I wouldn't say, hey, this is my indie corner store. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're pro, you're pro wrestling, whether you're, and uh, yeah. like, what are you independent of? You know, it's a business. You know, you know what I mean? Like if I was going to open up a hamburger shop, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm independent of McDonald's. I would just say, I'm a, That's... you know, George's, George's hamburgers. But anyway, it's one of my idiosyncrasies. But uh, I couldn't, awesome. I couldn't go, I couldn't go back to the. I, I don't think I could go back to like the local low level, you know, VFW type halls. Yeah. No offense to anybody, like, uh, but I think that's where you learn. That's where you build relationships. That's where you build trust. And if you don't go up. If you're not going forward, then what you you shouldn't be doing this anymore. If you're just standing still, like really, what's what's the purpose? Um, and it, I mean, I it's not like I just I'm just standing still anymore. You know, I work with Future Legend Apparel. 
um, you know, they've we've built this bond. It's uh, like I, I try to say, it's not a brand, it's a family. Um, you know, futurelegend.biz is a website. If you want to go check it out, it's so many athletes from, you know, from every, you know, from Major League Baseball to the NFL to the NBA to professional boxing to pro wrestling, whether it's Impact, whether it's Ring of Honor, whether it's guys who, you know, work for various promotions across the U.S. WWE. I mean, this logo, the the Future Legend brand has been seen on WWE television on Raw, you know, uh, recently. So, um, you know, I'm big into helping that expand. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we got a parents coming up at WrestleCade in November. Uh, that we're finishing up on, but uh, but yeah, like I, I, and again, that's a new challenge for me too, because where I, you know, what do I know about promoting T-shirts? I don't. Um, so I've been teaching myself. It's just like when New Japan said, "Hey, we want this, 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 and this." Well, damn, I like I'm the creative. You know, I'm a creative guy. You need this. Well, I go teach myself. I go ask people who know these things, and you know, that's been the story of my life. You know, my dad once told me. You know, if you don't know what you're doing, just figure it out. And that's, you know, what I'm doing. So uh, I can never go back to the Indies, uh, you know, well, whatever they are. Yeah. I can never go back there. That's Now, how did the, how did your, just real quick, how did your relationship with Future Legend come about? Um, WrestleMania, that WrestleMania weekend in Orlando. So is that uh, about a year and a half ago? Um uh again eddie edwards who's like a constant theme uh, yeah. he's he's gonna haunt me for the rest of my life um he's that he was, fat kid right yeah the fat uh well beep that because we can't i can't say anything like that anyway uh oh, yeah okay. yeah yeah <laughs> i have to be pc so um when, regardless of what we call him but anyway yeah so he was signing um at wrestlecon with um, Frankie and future, Le the future legend brand. And, uh, I didn't have anything to do one day. So I, I think it was on Friday. It was the day after Wally mania, which I helped produce. Um, and I, yeah, you forgot about that. My MLW stint, my wallet manias, you forgot about a lot of stuff. I, but anyway, do. I, think, I don't brag. I don't, I don't, I don't brag I about, about that. We, yeah. We, I don't brag. Uh, yeah. See, we, that's, that's how much I, I like working in silence. Right. Um, but yeah, I um, I did. Uh, I sat with Eddie and and Frankie from Future Legend for a couple of hours, and we just got to kicking it. And um, you know how professional wrestling can be when you start meeting people yeah. who want to be a part of it, but then you also know how people within it can take advantage of people who want to be a part of it, who have good intentions. So I've all I've become the buffer for Frankie, and he's a genius when it comes to business and stuff like that. And even figuring out the wrestling stuff. Now he's, I can say, now nah, let's not do that because of this. And he'll already have the next three steps figured That's... out because he know he's, it's not like he just lets me dictate. That's not how it works. We don't work like that. We're a team and I get it. You know, like he picks it up. He teaches me about business and I teach him about wrestling. So we just came back from Lucha Expo in uh, Vegas a few weeks how, ago. I don't mean uh, to, I don't mean to interrupt George, but how sure. I, I wanted to go to that so bad, but things came up. I mean, that was this was the first year of that, correct? 
Yes, and there's going to be a next year too. So, uh, but next year it's in next year it's in San Diego. It's not in Vegas. That's okay. Um, I'm okay with that. That's even yeah. better for me. It was it was awesome because I had never been around like Lucha. Um, you know, I've been around Luchadors occasionally, um, yeah. but this is the first time I ever got to work. You know, work complete shows with Luchadors, and like they're legendary Luchadors. Yeah, you know, they're it's it's yeah. insane. I, I, like you know, Tiniablis Jr. and uh, Luche, and you know, uh, Rey Mysterio's last you know, quasi last match that wasn't all in was that night. I mean, I helped the team put together. You know, Future Legend was a sponsor, so I got to you know help structure the cards. So we came up with there's a, Pen- there's a, Penta. There's a whole other podcast here between Triple 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 A and CMLL, and you being down there. With this, yeah, makes it, really, me, it was yeah. really. It makes me. It was really cool. <laughs> I'm. That was really cool, and, I, and trust me, I have stories about that. Uh, you know <laughs> that that those shows because uh, it was a very big learning process for me about how different culturally, how things are handled differently when it comes to pro wrestling. Things that I expect to be done one way, but then you learn. That's not necessarily how they do them in Mexico. Uh, it doesn't matter whether they bring Mexico to Las Vegas <laughs> or whether it's going to be San Diego. You just—it was a huge learning thing for me. I'm very grateful that I got to be part of it. That is so awesome because you—I cannot even begin to fathom the politics and the logistics having to go through the AAA and the CMLL and guys that can't be there and who can be and everything that's involved with that. Yeah, that is all. Uh, Kevin Kleinrock is very underappreciated and very much a genius. Um, you know, he's with Mass Republic, and he, him and his partner Ruben were the guys, you know, working with everybody to get this done. You know, what day was going to be what? Who was going to be where? This guy couldn't work, that guy. No, we have to shift this. Like, there was so much of that stuff going on. So, you know, again, so it was great, great learning process. You know, a great learning experience for me, but, uh, you know, must uh, uh Kevin Kleinrock and, you know, deserves way more credit than I would have. See, we don't have anything. So, but in I Mont- can turn him on to you. We don't have yeah. anything in Montana, yeah. but I have researched a ton of wrestling. That's all I do. Oh, yeah. That's it, man. That's good. That's yeah, good. That's the, age, that's the age of information. So if you don't know, you there, there's no reason you should say, I don't know about that. Just say, I don't know right now. But I'll come back to you because yeah. you do have the ability to learn. Oh, there's so many. Wrestling is everywhere. Like, and wrestling's always kind of been the forefront of technology. So whether it was streaming on the internet or, you know, doing high def TV or anything like that, YouTube and stuff like that, wrestling's always kind of been on the forefront of it. And I think because of that, there's like a million places you can go on and stream even live shows now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the, the uh, I mean, I know people are like, "Oh, there's so much wrestling on TV now." Uh, not really. There was way more wrestling on yeah. television when I was oh. a kid because we had it on. You know, we had World Class and NWA. You know, a bunch of different shows and WWF, a bunch of different shows. It was just a lot different styles and personalities. I can um, remember. I, I can remember there was like even in the '90s where it was up to me WWE and WCW it was all but one or two nights a week that was wrestling on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even during the Attitude Era, there was a point where 
I think maybe Wednesday was the only night that didn't have wrestling. Yep. Like there was something on every night. Heat at was some on point. Sunday. You had heat on Sunday, yeah. right? Raw. Raw, Raw on Monday. Uh, uh, what was on Tuesday? Super, super? No, not superstars. Oh no, um, it was was Thunder ever on Wednesday? Dund- I think it was Thunder. Yeah, I think Thunder was Wednesdays. And, and then SmackDown was Thursday. Later. Yeah, SmackDown was on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe. I want to say uh, ECW here in Boston. ECW yeah, was on Friday was nights. Friday nights, two a.m. Saturday, you had the um, Saturday you had the morning shows that were on USA at that point, um, and then you know WCW Saturday night. Sunday, you would you know go to Heat, and then again, you know it just started. There was there was Raw. That's know. I. I wish I got it. I started going around to the shows with ECW because I feel like I would have met all uh, of you guys a lot sooner. Yeah, you definitely would have because like we used to take road trips to ECW Arena, and That's, it's still the coolest. At, other than the Boston yeah, Garden, to me, the original Garden, the best atmosphere. Uh, uh, yeah, the uh, ECW Arena is up there with uh, the Full Sail. Uh, I've been to Full Sail a couple times for NXT TV. The energy there is great. But ECW Arena was electric. It was insane. It was a different vibe. I mean, you didn't you, at any point you felt like a riot could break out. See, with me, none of my friends were wrestling fans. We'd get drunk on a Friday night, and I'd go in the room, still drinking my beers, and turn on the TV while they were all in the other room just partying. Wow. So. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I mean, growing up, I didn't really have friends that watched wrestling. It wasn't yeah. until I really got into wrestling. Wrestling actually saved me you know I, I likely very well could have ended up on this you know you know drugs and, and yeah you know where my life was headed if i didn't go meet walter kowalski when i did and then perry took that interest my life would have been completely That's different awesome. i wouldn't i wouldn't be yeah. who i am to my kids to my friends i like very likely would have been dead just with you know addiction runs in my family there's so many things working against me so uh thank god for wrestling yeah that's uh, that's i met you i met a lot of my best friends you one of them through wrestling and it's it's not yeah i'm 40 something years old yeah like you've we've been out a million times and you've never seen me like sauced anywhere no you know what i mean no, you've probably seen me a couple times oh of course but but, hey it takes you a keg to get drunk jp Well, it's got a big waterhead, so of course, it takes a lot to get that head. Yeah, here we go. Your head's head's probably a size bigger than mine, though. No, no, yeah, but your head is, you're you're big, you're giant, so your head sticks out. It looks like a lamp, like a lamppost. Like, you could, if you, if your head glowed, you could literally just, you're so tall, you could stand in the street and just be a light post and nobody would notice. He's yeah, like a, when I was a kid, I you would come, You would come on, you would come on at 7 o'clock and just shut off at like 5.45 in the morning. I always say I was a stop sign when I was a kid because when I was younger, I was tall and thin. So wow. I was tall and thin and then had you that like a blow pop. Yeah, you look like a blow pop. That's probably what you wear for, for Halloween, right? All the time. Every year. I believe in me too. <laughs> but yeah, George, I feel like I could do like I think me and you could do a podcast every week and not hit on the same stories. Yeah, no, we don't well dude, we yeah. think about it, JP. We haven't touched we didn't touch on anything. We like speed walk through like yep. stuff I've done. But like if we went into specifics 
like if we went into we could do podcasts on let's talk about the 2006 to 2007 summer of sabotage let's talk oh, about that yeah. you know what i mean like you know going to the banshee with dave and like you yeah. know we could just do a whole podcast on dc stories which i, I haven't I, really i haven't really no. done because that still gets me emotional but uh yeah i purposely avoided that because like i love dc too like he yeah. he was genuinely the first person to ever accept me in wrestling other than the promoters i tell you what and, if if i could bottle his passion yeah. Yes. And and sell it to guys like this business would be a we, million times better than it is. Sheldon had invi- invited a bunch of us out to Good Times one year for his mm-hmm. birthday, and I had just started coming around. Yeah, and I went, and uh, I was drinking a beer. And Dave looked over at Eddie and went, "Hey, this kid drinks beer." And from that point in, I, from that point there, I was in. Yeah, like, that, I that mean. Simple? Which is weird because you know Dave, and yeah. he would build if he would build that wall if he even got a vibe that you weren't, yeah. you know, who he thought you were. You were shut off. You couldn't. You weren't welcome at his house. He no. didn't care if we were talking yeah. in the locker room about, oh, we're going to you know the Cahill, you know Christmas yeah. bash or the you know that was his big thing <laughs> cookouts. If you don't come, you're dead to me. Like That's... that was his. <laughs> How many times did you hear that? If you don't oh. come, you're dead to me. I feel uh, bad because I kind of took for granted the the Christmas. He invited me every year, and I never went taking for granted that you know it's it'll be there you, forever. You know, you miss and, you miss you miss some bangers there. You I, know, like Wag, Wagner Brown breaking his couch. <laughs> but yeah, that's and I, I I purposely avoided that because that would have been another two hours. Yes. You yeah, know what I mean? it like, would have. So. But yeah, um, at some point, I, I do want to do that. I actually want to get like you, Eddie, if he's available, Goldman on, and just talk Dave's yeah, stories yeah. at some point. You know what I mean? Because he was, yeah, that, he was the most passionate person out there. He got it. He understood it. He had it. He was, and I told him this. He was. I would put his promos up against anyone else anywhere. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Uh... And, yeah, it's very tough, man. I, I don't like even this. Yeah. Like, uh, I just yeah. start thinking, oh, like, it's the it's the like wrestling. Like everybody, like that's a big thing with me. Like, people feel like they knew Dave, but they actually knew DC. Like I knew Dave. Yeah. Like, yeah, er- Eric knew Dave. You know, Gorman knew yeah. Dave. Like, yeah. you knew Dave. You got to see behind the, you know, yeah. the curtain. And uh, it was just tough, man. But yeah, well, yeah. we'll come back on. I'll, I'll yes, talk. I'm sure. I'll, sorry. I'll, We'll get to that point. No, it's okay. I've told you, dude, you said to me, oh, it's going to be like 35, 40, you know, yeah, 35, 40 minutes. Close to two hours at this point. Yeah. So. We're at like 11, 15, dude. Yeah. All right. Let me. All right. All right. Thank you, George. Um, we no do problem. have to do this again at some point. And, sure. Um, I'm going to text you. I'll text you tomorrow once I get this cut out and I'll take out the, uh, the, the non-political correct part. Yeah, yeah. It's cool talking to you, bro. Even though you only like spoke, you know, you know, three times. Maybe that's the Montana in you. But uh, hopefully, next time we do this, you got more questions. Hey, uh, like, a, dude, a, I, I'm a, a wise man once I'm told like, me that uh, you uh, you only speak when you have something to say, and when uh, two people are having a conversation, you don't step in the middle of it.
Yeah, but it's, dude, you're you're part of this. Don't just sit there. Oh, don't no, don't be a wallflower. There'll be, there'll dude. Trust me, because I can talk those. about wrestling, wrestling. Like I, you know, yeah. how did I know that Vern Gagne's finish was a sleeper, and he looked like you know Mr. Magoo, yeah, beating it, beating beating Nick Bockwinkel. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, come on, Harry, <laughs> uh, son of a bitch. All right, okay, guys. All right, George, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Later. Bye. bye Dude, that was that was special to me. Good man, that was fun. That was good shit right there. Yeah, I, I love George, and I'm glad that I, you know we got to talk about Dave. Well, Dave is DC Dillinger. Yeah. So just so listeners know, when legitimately George's best friend, and Dave got taken from us way too soon, very suddenly, out of the blue, um, and it was it it hurt a lot of people, and like the <laughs> there were more people at the church for his funeral than they were at any wrestling show he'd ever been to. And it was, that's how special Dave was to people. Yeah. But he was right. Like a lot of people hated Dave because they only knew DC. So, um, I'm, all, I'm good to go. Um, if you want to,